Well, what a privilege to be with you today and open the scriptures. Our text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And the text that you have will be very similar to that which I will read and that you will see on the screen. But it's from the New American Standard Bible. Hear the word of the Lord this morning, Matthew chapter 12. Verses 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. Now, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temples violate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known compassion, excuse me, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. These words are significant as we look at them and try to understand how they really speak to our lives. But before we go into the text, I want to remind you the significance of the book of Matthew itself. Number one, it's a big book for the ancient world. And Matthew's gospel of the four gospels that make up our scriptures concerning the life and teachings of Jesus, Matthew is unique in that he has presented within his 28 chapters five major teaching blocks that allow Jesus to be seen as the teacher extraordinaire. (laughs) Was Jesus a rabbi? Well, if rabbis did good teaching, Jesus was a rabbi. And these five teaching blocks found in Matthew chapters uh, 5, 6, and 7. That's the first one, the Sermon on the Mount. The second found in chapter 10, the Missionary Discourse. The third found in most of chapter 13, the Parables of the Kingdom. The fourth found in chapter 18, Jesus' Discourse on the Church. And then his teaching on the end times in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. These five teaching blocks give a uniqueness to Matthew that few other things can give. Our pastor's been teaching from the Sermon on the Mount to us, and we've enjoyed that so much as we're beginning to follow Jesus as he moves toward the cross. We come to a conflict story in chapter 12, and it happens in a rather remarkable setting. 
a grain field. They're making their way. You know, there weren't many highways in the ancient world, and uh, they were on their way, and they were in the grain field. Now, if you have the courage to read through the book of Leviticus, you'll find out that it was okay for people to take those grains of wheat or barley and to kind of shuck off the husk and to eat those grains of wheat or barley and to kind of take the slack off of some of that hunger that was there. That's what the disciples are doing. But there's only one problem. It's the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are watching and they begin to complain to Jesus that the disciples are doing work on the Sabbath. Shame on them. Or as Pastor Gordon would be saying to us, Hanakokulele. <laughs> Isn't that what it is? <laughs> Hope I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> Do you know who the Pharisees were? Now, number one, sometimes we forget, they were not professional religious people. They were not theologians. They were a sect of people, lay people, who were concerned mainly about the holiness of individuals before God. You see, in the ancient world, in Judaism, there seemed to be levels of holiness within Judaism. The most holy place of all was the temple. So if we just draw a little circle around the temple, we would know that in Jerusalem, that was absolutely the most holy place on the face of the earth. And then that circle would widen out. It would include the rest of the temple grounds. It would include the city. And they would go on out and out. Do you remember, and, and Jesus is doing most of his teaching up in the Galilee. Those people up in the Galilee, they were considered to kind of be outsiders to Judaism because they were so far away from the holy places. They couldn't be very spiritual way up there. That 80 or 90 miles that separated Jerusalem from the Galilee. And the Pharisees, what they wanted, they wanted temple holiness to become the norm of holiness wherever the Jews might be found. Temple holiness was not merely to be at the temple, but to be wherever one would bear the name of God as the children of Abraham. You see, the problem the Pharisees had is that they had learned to become externally correct 
while frequently being internally corrupt. It was all about appearance. It was all about, are we doing the right thing in the right way at the right time? And holiness had to do with appearance. Jesus, from what we've been learning from the Sermon on the Mount, wanted to internalize that life of holiness and to make it a life that was transformed within, that gave to us a sense of credibility from all that we do and in all that we do. So when the Pharisees say, look at your disciples, they're doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath, I'm certain Jesus just kind of had to shake his head a little bit and say, oh no, not again. Here it goes. Here it goes. And so Jesus, being the student of the scriptures as he was, said to them, Gentlemen, have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but for the priests alone? Now, do you know what I think? I think those Pharisees just had to say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Why are you quoting that to us? Why are you reminding us of that, Jesus? That doesn't make any sense. And what Jesus is wanting them to see As this one, this one David, this messianic type who was there for all them to remember and to know, had literally done the unthinkable. Did you hear me? He had done what was literally unthinkable. He asks the priest... To violate what that bread of the presence was all about. To feed his hungry men and himself. David, how could you even think of such a thing? And the priest gave in. Doesn't seem like there, from the Old Testament story, there was any conflict. Doesn't seem like there was any kind of intimidation offered. They allowed them to eat the bread of the presence. That bread that was there in the holy place, symbolizing God's sufficiency for the people of Israel, signifying which would later be known as the bread of life. Itself. And so we've got the situation down, huh? We're in the grain field. 
It's a Sabbath. The disciples are just kind of shucking the grain, eating the kernels there that are there. And the Pharisees are frustrated. They've got him now. He's broken the Sabbath. But Jesus dares to use Scripture to justify his end in what the disciples were doing. And so when he says to them, haven't you read? Don't you understand? That had to be a little bit bitter to them. Of course we have. We know that by heart. I don't think they were ready for verse 6. We'll get to verse 6, but before we do, we have to see that in verse 5, Jesus even indicts the priests for their work on the Sabbath. Now, you know, while I was pastoring, I realized that the life of a pastor, pastor, is, is sometimes different in its focus than the people we serve. You see, I think I was pastor long enough to realize that my entire week aimed for all that would take place on the Lord's Day, on that weekend that was coming. While we lived in a society in which our aim was the busyness of the week and we kind of unwind on the weekend, So there we were, (laughs) sometimes seemingly miles apart. All excited and hyped up about the Lord's Day, wondering why nobody else was. (laughs) And sometimes... The Sabbath wasn't much of a Sabbath (laughs) because of the work and the energy that was involved. And so it was in the ancient world with the priests who were doing God's work on the Sabbath, but who were involved. Oh, we could call it service, but guess what? They were working. It was their job. It's what they had to do. And Jesus puts that all together when he comes to verse 6 and he says, But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. Now, pastor's been using this really significant word Christology. You see, we came through a period of time back in the 80s and 90s that that said we couldn't use such words in the pulpit. That people would get put off by those theological things, for goodness sake. Christology is a great word. The more that we study who Jesus Christ is, 
the more we understand Him, we can internalize that truth and become so infected with that message that that Christological understanding just bubbles out wherever we are. But we've got to study it. We've got to be willing to understand it. Who is this man? One thing we know about him from Matthew chapter 12, verse 6, is that he says of himself, something greater than the temple is here. Now, remember what I said about the Pharisees? They were concerned about temple holiness. If Jesus is saying something greater than the temple is here, he's saying then that holiness is involved even right here. It's not just about being in the temple. It's about a life lived before God, even if we're in the grain field on a Sabbath day, shucking wheat. That holiness was there. That openness to God. That transforming power of God, even there. I'll get back to verse 6. There's lots more. But we've got to see 7, because this condemnation comes. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice you would not have condemned the innocent. Now, if you go back to read Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, where this text is found, you'll see that this little statement Jesus uses is found in a passage in which the prophet is proclaiming God's judgment against the people. It's a, it's a judgment context. He says, if you had only known. <laughs> if you had only known. Talking to the Pharisees. Now, I want you to take a look if you have your Bibles open. There's something that is very similar or very significant that I want you to see. At the end of verse 5, we find something, I think, very interesting. I want to read it to you. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? Do you see that word, innocent? Very, very. Who's innocent? The priests. They're violating the Sabbath, but they're innocent, he says. If you had known what this means, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Now, who are the innocent? The disciples. Who are out there breaking the Sabbath in the eyes of the Pharisees. Jesus is giving priestly status to the disciples. And might I say that 
He's not setting them apart as somebody special. I think he's saying to anybody who would be there who was really serving God. Those innocent priests could never be condemned for their work on the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, if you had known compassion rather than judgment, you wouldn't have condemned these the innocent. I find that one of the most intriguing statements in the gospel. Helping us to understand who we really are as we follow Jesus. As we follow this one who is greater than the temple. Now, what do you know about the temple? Well, I don't know a lot either, so it's okay. We're, we're in this together. <laughs> Wish I knew more. But I do know that the temple was the economic center of the life of Jerusalem. And whoever controlled the temple controlled the whole economy of the area. And that's why when under Antiochus IV Epiphanes they began to sell the high priesthood to the highest bidder and break God's desire that the high priest's role come out of the line of Aaron as a birthright They were doing such an injustice to the temple itself. So, the temple was the economic center. It had become that. But it was also the place where God promised he would have his dwelling place on earth. And Solomon said in his prayer of dedication in 1 Kings chapter 8 that, Lord, I know that if if all the heavens cannot contain you, how in the world could this temple that I built contain you? Nevertheless, you promised to meet us right here. And Jesus is saying something more important than the temple is here. part of our Christology, folks, right there. Jesus is this one as Son of God, as Lord, who is worthy of our following and worthy of our life and worthy of that life of holiness that internalizes all of the truth that God has spoken. Now, we've come through this list. We've been in the grain field. We've seen the disciples and their sin against the Sabbath. We've heard the conflict created by the Pharisees. We've heard Jesus quote the scriptures against the Pharisees as he brings David to their attention. He says that he's greater than the temple. He quotes Hosea the prophet to them. And then he says in verse 8, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
Now, whatever else you want to know about the word Lord, and pastors talked about that to some extent, but, but to call Jesus Lord is to recognize his authority over life and over our life and salvation. So when Jesus says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, he was saying, gentlemen, look to me about this Sabbath day, will you? (laughs) See where I am, because that's really the important thing. Now, one little move back to the book of Daniel, please. We're going to look at chapter 7 very quickly. And I'm going to read to you two verses that have to do with this phrase that Jesus uses of himself called Son of Man. We're back in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. These are remarkable words. Daniel wrote, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the cloud of heaven... One like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, this son of man, was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom, so that all the peoples, nations, and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now there are some who would want to say, when we use this term, son of man, what we're talking about is Jesus' humanity. Jesus is just trying to show forth his humanity. It's a part of that humility that he expresses to those he serves. Well, okay. I can buy that to an extent. (laughs) But if Jesus meant there was humility in the statement of the Son of Man, it's because of the dominion and the honor and the kingdom that has been given to him, one that will never end. You see? That's the goodness of who this one Jesus is all about. That's why when we talk about his death and resurrection, you see, we don't compare his death just to anybody's. We all die. But only Jesus died as the Son of Man as Daniel spoke of him in chapter 7. No one else. No one else has that kind of wonder or glory or honor or dominion or authority. He is the one. And so when we think about the holiness code being broken by the disciples as they were able to take the edge off their hunger by 
husking that grain in the grain field. We see that the Sabbath isn't just about ceasing to work. The Sabbath is about a heart that is made open to God, that God's grace and humility and love and transformation can come to them as they follow Jesus himself. That's the key to this whole passage. Do you you realize (laughs) there's no place here where Jesus has the disciples apologize for their dastardly deed? They don't apologize. They don't confess it before God. Because something greater is at stake. The one they are following, the one they are serving, the one the Pharisees had very little time to consider or to understand. What about us? My brothers and sisters, our pastor has been inviting us To follow Jesus. To follow him. His teaching. His life. His concerns. Are you taking time. To read the gospels. That that grace. Might be influencing your life. Every day that you live. Are you becoming more familiar with who Jesus is that he might be able to enfold us in his grace? Really, it doesn't take very long. But it takes a heart that is willing to see that in Jesus, one greater than the temple is here and that he is Lord of the Sabbath. Worthy of our entire life of commitment. This simple passage, this simple conflict story that seems so irrelevant to our lives today is really at the heart of who we are. Because we have the opportunity to give ourselves to follow the one who can clean us up on the inside so that that holiness that is expressed is not cheap or tarnished by life, but is made real by the Spirit of God himself. You see, we have been called to be a holy people. It was the heartbeat of the Pharisees. And yet, they so sorely misunderstood what was at stake. 
may we understand afresh what God wants to do in our lives to create a holy people even in this great city in which we live. Father, may we understand that one greater than the temple has called us to himself that we might find life, that we might find life eternal and be made whole through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.